The views, comments, stories, and opinions shared within this podcast are my own or those of my guests, and in no way represent the views of the company or companies that I or we work for. All stories, events, and tales shared within this episode may or may not have happened in the manner in which they are told. They may or may not have even happened at all. The details have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty alike. This is Squawk Identity. You're listening to Squawk Ident, an aviation podcast dedicated to the journey and the challenges surrounding the life and career of Aviator Tony and his guests. Together, we will explore the many pathways to an aviation profession, the realities of what a professional aviator can expect in today's marketplace, and we share many stories along the way. I'm your host, Aviator Tony, an airline pilot currently flying for a legacy airline with close to 20 years on the flight line. This is episode 23 of Squawk Ident, recorded on the 6th of February, 2020, from the Aviator Sound Studios somewhere in Southern California. On this episode of Squawk Ident, I'm joined by Rob D. Together, we will discuss our trip details in a segment we call From the Flight Line. We also briefly tackle a topic that has been flooding the headlines with the coronavirus epidemic in full scare. What are your risk factors if you fly domestically in the U.S. right now? Do these cheap masks that you buy at your local pharmacy actually protect you, or is it just an overreaction driven by media frenzy? And in a recent and tragic turn of events, we will discuss the importance of situational awareness and safety practices while on layovers in the wake of some devastating news that a fellow aviator lost his life when caught in the crossfire while on a layover in San Juan, Puerto Rico. All this and more on this episode of Squawk Ident. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show, right after a brief word from our sponsors. and gentlemen welcome back to the show well joining us on this episode of squawk ident from his chateau in flower mound texas he's a former international and professional racquetball champion a member of the 9g club an amp and avionics tech and currently a 737 pilot for a u.s legacy carrier please help us in welcoming back to the show rob d rob how are you I'm doing great, Tony. How you doing? It's I'm good doing, to be back. Yeah, doing great. Yeah, it's good to have you. So, you know, we've uh, we've gone back and forth quite a bit uh, talking about what we've been doing this last week. A lot of news uh, has come through, yeah. uh, both with uh, us here at Legacy Airlines, some pretty sad news that we're going to talk about a little bit later. And, you know, noticing yep. all these uh, travelers in, uh, for me, at LAX, and you were talking about a little bit of DFW, uh, having people walk around, everybody's wearing these masks, these dust masks, uh, you know, surgical masks, very paper masks. Yeah, yeah. I, I even heard a story from a flight attendant. We might dive into a little bit later that this woman had a uh, like a like a hand towel pinned up to her hoodie <laughs> with some safety pins, and you know, <laughs> uh, okay, you know, it's it's 
it's <laughs> relatively ridiculous. And we're going to try yeah. to get some actual facts going uh, in reference to being safe out there, uh, considering all this coronavirus news that's been flooding the, uh, the news cycles. But uh, let's start off the show this week with a segment we haven't really talked about um, in, in a few shows now, which is From the Flight Line. So this is From the Flight Line. So uh, this last week has been a re- relatively, you know, kickback week for me. Uh, I don't know about you, Rob, but uh, I got a lot of stuff done around the house and, and stuff like that. What about yourself? Yeah, I I had a pretty long trip uh, four-day sequence uh, that ended on, uh, I don't even know what today is, <laughs> today's Thursday. So yeah, it ended on Monday, mm-hmm. and it's uh, four-day long sequence, uh, pretty long, flew with a really nice captain, um, but yeah, it, it was good to get home and get back to uh, un, you know my routine here at, at the house, got a lot of stuff going on with the kids and you know the honeydew list, so um yeah <laughs> it's good to be back <laughs> yeah well i i too had a, a pretty good honeydew list you know we had some 40 mile an hour winds here at the house while of course i was on the trip yeah. isn't that always the way it happens you know while you're home everything's That's, yeah fine and then you you yeah, leave for heard, work and... and i heard a great joke about that this week as a matter of fact yeah. uh it, the, the joke goes how many pilots does it take to change a light bulb Ah, and the answer is none because the, all the wives will be doing it at home because you'll be on a trip. That's right. You're always on a trip. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, I love hey, it. I love it. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be here all day. Please remember to tip your stewardesses on your way out. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it was a pretty laid back trip. I had um, we have these like sun shades, those uh, you know like sun fabric shades that uh, we hung up yeah. in the patio. It gets you know, summertime here in Southern California can get pretty hot. And I'm kind of in the inland empire. Yeah. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. usually about seven to 10 degrees warmer than LAX. So whatever LAX is yeah. in the summertime, my house is about 10 yeah. degrees warmer than that. And you, so, you probably shade. yeah, we need the shade because everything, you know, the plants and everything out on the patio, or they just, they get yeah. fried. So, so I hung these things up last year um, and, you know, I hung them up. They, they come with these ropes that, pull at each corner and, you know, make it nice and taut. And of course, with the winds that we had last year, I mean, the winds here in, in the uh, San Bernardino area, they get pretty tough, especially because I'm at the base of a mountain pass. So right. when, the, when the winds yeah. blow from the north, the, you know, the, the Santa Anas, as they call them over in the, in the valley, but uh, they get pretty strong and they blow a lot of dust and debris and and, uh, well, they, they put too much stress on those sun, uh, fabric, uh, yeah. awnings and they, they ripped. They become like a big sail. Yeah. yeah exactly. Like a boat sail. They exactly. catch all the wind. Yep. 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 And, uh, and so the position of the house and, and my workshop back there and everything, it kind of lifts up on the sail because the winds kind of are above it. So it pulls up yep. as we know, you know. It's Bernoulli's, Bernoulli's. Uh, principle, you know, <laughs> low pressure and lift and all that stuff. Magic, ladies and gentlemen, magic. So, uh, FM. Yeah. So that's what happened is, uh, you know, these things came down. And so I, I replaced them and uh, hung them with this uh, steel braided wire as a, as a support structure. Mm-hmm. So now they're, 
have multiple uh, hinge points with uh, tensioned steel braided wires that are holding them in place. And I thought, well, okay, there you go. These things aren't going to tear. Yeah. They're not going to rip. The The rope is still there uh, at the corners, but it's all reinforced with these are steel they, braided cables. Are they anchored into your house? Well, two on, or on one side. Yeah, two or three anchor points on the uh, at the fascia on the base of the uh, of the roof line, and a couple more anchor points. I've got a, a couple uh, four by four poles, one metal pole gotcha. in the middle, which really is taking all the tension because that's the riser. It's like twelve feet in the uh -huh. air. Um, but the metal pole has an extension on it, which was a I think two by two and a half piece of solid hardwood that I had put on there um, with some brackets and whatnot. Well, here I was thinking, huh, oh, you know, it's going to take a hurricane force wind to get these things <laughs> down. And so I go on my trip and, uh, <laughs> you know, here I am, you know, doing something a little different than what I'm used to is I'm actually flying in the Northwest last week. And so here <laughs> I am packing all my winter gear and, and my beanie and my gloves <laughs> and my trench coat and everything. Cause it, it's, you know, it was eight degrees yeah. in Minneapolis. So I was prepared. As soon as I, I get to my destination, my wife calls and says, yeah, the uh, pole snapped in half in the backyard. I'm like, what, oh, what pole man. are you talking about? Like the one that holds up the can't, one of the ones that hold up the canopies. I'm like, it snapped. How that's like thick, you know, how can that happen? How can it? Yeah, well, sure. it wasn't the four by four post or it wasn't the concrete post that I have. It was the, the extension riser on that metal post. So the wind gotcha. just too much tension. It just bent it to the point where it couldn't take it anymore. So I've replaced it a little bit thicker wood. Um, it took me pretty much all day yesterday and take everything down and eh. replace. So yeah, honeydew. That's, that's welcome what we to do. Home ownership, right? There's always something. That's right. <laughs> that's why pretty soon I'll be living in a van down by the river. I'm just saying. River. <laughs> Being a motivational speaker. That's right. I mean, <laughs> that's the way to go. I think, but. <laughs> absolutely so yeah so yeah, super, what else happened so super bowl sunday big big event here right yeah. and being oh. from originally from northern california not that i'm a big fan but you know when it comes to playoffs and super bowls and world series and things like that i always pay yeah. attention and try to join it's a lot of fun you know so uh sure. the niners were playing and i thought yeah this is good well unfortunately i had a red eye to fly that night so, uh, and in the morning, the family wanted to go out and, you know, hang out at farmer's market. So we did that and, yeah. uh, you know, got back and I was like, oh, I got to take a nap. I got to lay down for a few hours. I'm going to fly right out of Charlotte tonight. You know? So of course yeah. I laid down and about 45 minutes into my nap, the Super Bowl starts. I was knocked out. I didn't even realize I finally woke up because it was getting ready, you know, time for me to get up and, and start getting ready yeah. to make sure I'm packed and everything good, good to go. And the Super Bowl halftime show was just about to begin. So yeah, only thing that I saw in the Super Bowl was the halftime show and mm -hmm. between getting dressed and ready and packing the bags and everything, walking out the door, I saw the end of the Super Bowl. And that's oh, it. Nice. That was my experience yep. this year. No, uh, no beer and wings for me this year. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was working too. I, I was actually working a flight from Dallas to... Lubbock, Texas, of all places. I mean, it's not that far away from Dallas. It's about a, oh, I think it ends up being about a 35, 40-minute flight from Dallas. But, um, yeah, when we we were pre-flighting the plane, the Super Bowl was starting. Uh, uh, and then uh, when we landed 
in Lubbock, it was just after halftime. Mm-hmm. And uh, so by the time we got to the hotel and uh, turned on the TV, it was into the fourth quarter. So I was able to watch the last uh, the last uh, quarter, yeah. which was, I think, you know, probably, I, I guess the whole game is exciting. But, you know, since I only got to watch one quarter, it was the most exciting quarter for me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's where all anyway, the action was happening was anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good game. Congrats to uh, Kansas City, though. They they had a great season. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I was actually slightly uh, rooting for uh, San Francisco. And the only reason was uh, because I'm a New England fan and Garoppolo played in New England. Uh, and uh, he's a product of New England and, you know, Tom Brady and all that stuff. So <laughs> I know I'm going to catch a lot of flack for that, but uh, no, he's, he's awesome. Both, both teams are awesome. Patrick Mahomes is phenomenal. 20, what, 24 years old. Yeah. And uh, dude, man, yeah. what a, they're both so young awesome. and, and a great class act too. Oh, a lot of his interviews, post, post game interviews were really, you know, just top notch, real classy guy. Yeah. I love it. It was good. Yeah. So congrats. That's awesome. Yeah, so you were flying. And, and I was, yep. and I was getting ready to fly. I drove out to the airport and, uh, as I, as I've started doing here in the last probably four or five months, instead of turning on the tunes on the radio, which is the mm-hmm. same damn five songs over and over again, especially Southern California, <laughs> pop music stations, yep. whatever, you know, and it doesn't matter what you're listening to, whether that's a hip hop country, you know, pop or alternative or what, whatever floats your boat. It doesn't matter. It's like commercial after commercial <laughs> after commercial. And, uh-huh. and it just, it's infuriating, you know, it's just infuriating. So yeah. I, uh, you know, I'm listening to my podcasts. So uh, that's I have I a list doing. of, you know, podcasts that I really enjoy. One that I'd like to just mention today is uh, a really, really interesting podcast. It's been on the air for, I think, about 10 years. And uh, it's put together by some guys that, uh, and a gal, um, that talk about, airline news that's happening like this last week. Uh, They talk about Mm -hmm. what they've been doing. They have meetups. Um, They do a segment towards the end of their third hour, uh, which is three hours. You know, most people I tell, yeah, listen, this podcast is really good. It's about three hours long every week. And they're like, what? Three hours? That's too long. (laughs) Three hours. That's too long. I'm like, listen to me. I I said the same thing, but to tell you the truth, once you start, I have the syndrome, man. I I've got to listen every week. I'm like I'm hooked to it, uh, and they just they're yeah, so charismatic. And you know, I I actually uh, did an audio uh, feedback for them, uh, and they were kind enough to uh, to read it back or play it back on their show. And the show I'm talking about is called Airline Pilot Guy, and uh, it's APG for short. And you can find them on AirlinePilotGuy.com. You can find them on all the other you know, platforms that you listen to your podcast, the airline pilot guy, and they just, they have a, a good way of, of telling stories about what's going on in aviation and the headlines. And they really spend a lot of time with listener feedback and you get some questions out yeah. there and it makes you think it's like, wow. And it's international. I mean, they got people calling in from all over. And so great show, yeah, they do. highly recommended. I know Rob and I have talked about it quite a bit. I enjoy it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I've also, um, watch bits and pieces of their live feed on, I believe it's Facebook mm-hmm. live, or maybe it's uploaded, but um, I get a notification when they're on. And if I don't have anything going on, I definitely sit down and 
take a listen and, and watch it. It it just like Tony said, they're they have a really good format. They uh, they're very engaging. Like you, you start listening to them and it, you know, they're talking about a lot of things that, you know, we have similar uh, uh common uh you know, likes and dislikes. So it's really fun to listen to them and, you know, uh, as they go through their show and, and it's hard to put down because it's good stuff. Yeah. You know, it is. And, you know, there's so many aviation podcasts out there and a lot of them are from overseas or another country. And it's kind of, sometimes there's a disconnect between either subject matter or they start talking about regulations that, that they have to go through that are a little bit different than ours, which is good. Um, but you know, this show, it really is, uh, catered to, a, a intellectual perspective on what's really going on, how the media 99% of the time yep. has no idea what they're talking about. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. uh, That's but so I, I listened to that. I got into LA, no problem. The weather was good, uh, on Sunday and I, I'm walking through the airport and head down to operations, which is, uh, like, we've talked about it a little bit uh, in the past couple shows. Uh, and uh, what do we do? You know, we go to operations, we make sure our EFBs, our electronic flight bags are uh, yep. up to date. You know, our, basically our, our tablet, our iPad is up to date with all the charts, all the, all the company operations manuals are all up to date. And we also yep. pick up flight releases, flight plans. Just like when you're a private pilot, you know, you have to go through flight plans, you have to, you know, all that stuff. But that's all done for you at the airline level, right? So we download right. all that, we check it. Usually the captain uh, is the one that will contact dispatch and say, hey, you know, I see there's some weather halfway through our route. And, you know, yep. why don't you add, you know, 900 pounds of fuel so that we have a little extra buffer because what you gave me is okay. But, you know, so that's the kind of things that are happening down in ops. Well, yeah. I'm down there. I've, I had a little bit extra time because there was minimal traffic. Go figure, LA. Thanks. And uh, mm-hmm. so I'm down there <laughs> and I'm, and I sat down and I'm just, you know, thumbing through some uh, stuff on my phone, both weather and, and some social media stuff. And across my phone on one of these Facebook feeds, I saw an Indonesian airline where they're deplaning by air stairs and every single yeah. passenger is an Asian passenger coming off the airplane with a surgical mask and their, you know, and their clothes. It looked a little cold there. So yeah. they had like jackets and stuff in their bags. And, and there's about, they're flanked with a dozen people in hazmat suits, spraying them down with some kind really? of fog, some kind of, uh, uh, obviously, uh, uh, well, yeah, some kind of chemical. <laughs> and so yeah. I'm sitting next to a captain. She was getting ready to go to Auckland. So she was doing her pre-flight stuff going to Auckland. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at this and I kind of, my jaw drops and I'm like, really, this is, is this the future of airline travel? You know, and I look, I show it to her. I'm like, can you, can you believe this? This is, is this what we're going to start doing here? And she goes, oh yeah, we got, we got sprayed down at Legacy in, in Auckland. And I'm like, huh. really? And wow. you know, she was a, triple seven uh captain so she was telling me yeah. and she knew the chemical name I, if i find it i'll put it in the show notes but yeah they're getting sprayed down to to try to prevent wow. the spread of this you know coronavirus highly yeah. infectious coronavirus that has taken so many lives yeah, there in china yeah it's it's definitely a serious serious thing now you know with, uh all these people dying around the world and uh you can never be too safe, I guess. But man, you know, yeah, I don't know. I think there's I a just balance. Hope they can control. It. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, there's a balance, and there's a, a fine line between fear and knowledge. And you know, yeah. the it is a very serious thing. It does spread very yeah. rapidly, and we're going to get a little bit more into it later in the show. But you know, to start off a trip that way, <laughs> it kind of messes <laughs> with you a little bit. You know, you're like, oh god, look let at me you guess. Know. Let me guess. As soon as you sat down in your seat, you started wiping things down with all the. Uh, Alcohol cleaning wipes. Yes, just kind uh, you of know, make sure that you take care of yourself. <laughs> right. So they put the the catering company that comes and services our aircraft, at least here at Legacy. I don't know what the other, uh, both regionals and uh, and mainline guys do, but they put uh, a baggie of these alcohol cleansing wipes in, usually in the first class galley or in the cockpit, there's usually a stack of them and they're there for your yep. safety. So you can wipe down things like joysticks or yokes or, you know, push to talk buttons push and controls and stuff like that. Right. So, you know, and, and most people are pretty diligent when they first get on the airplane at minimum, at least in the bus, we do the tray table. Cause that's nine out of 10. It's pretty <laughs> nasty. So, you know, so we, we, uh, we wipe down that stuff and, uh, you know, I got to admit, I don't always do that because, I mean, mm-hmm. if it looks if it looks clean, you know, who comes yeah. in the cockpit but the pilots, right? So who's right. touching anything yeah. but no. the pilots? So uh, it's not like we're in the public realm of the cabin, you know. But, okay. yes, I, but. I wiped everything down, including yeah. the oxygen mask. When I checked the oxygen yeah. mask, I physically pulled it out and wiped it down in case you know, I'm going to need it. Me route, too. You know, yeah, because... that's that's one of my first things I do too. Is so we don't have a tray, unfortunately, in the seven three seven. Well, I you've think got one of those one things of the, in uh... front of you. What do you call those things? It got the <laughs> looks like a handlebars. It's a yoke, Tony. It, it, it's a weight lifter. It's a, a yoke. A, a, a yoke. A yoke. How's that? Yeah. How's that work? Yeah. <laughs> Very similar to your side stick, oh. but uh... <laughs> a yoke. what do you guys call it? Side stick? Yeah, side stick. <laughs> Side stick. You, clearly, yeah. I know I know what you're saying, but you must be yoking. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> wow, I walked right into that one. <laughs> well, anyway, it's early in the morning, ladies and gentlemen, and my coffee quite hasn't kicked in. At least my third one hasn't kicked in yet. So I apologize. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, we good. started out this trip with uh, you know, wiping everything down. And, you know, I met my captain for the first time and real cool guy, uh, real interesting character. Um, you know, he was, a he was telling me he was like a black belt in, in Krav Maga and, and martial arts and, oh, wow. and real healthy guy brought, you know, all the food and protein bars and, and, uh, healthy food and fruit and stuff with them. He was, it was kind of cool to see someone, you know, pack food like that. I haven't seen that in a while. I uh, used to see it all yeah. the time over kind of at the region, uh, re- regional level, you know, at Sandpiper. At we used Sandpiper. to see that people bring, yeah. brought their lunch because we didn't get crew meals, you know. It, so no. You, you fly all day long. You're either airport $50 sandwich or uh, you bring your own. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was one of my biggest beefs at without getting too sidetracked at Sandpiper was uh, we fly the 175 uh, from an airport in Dallas all the way to an airport in Calgary. And, uh, you know, that's yeah. a almost a four hour trip one way and every now and then you'd make a round trip and they would right. not be the air the flight would not be uh, furnished with any meals for the crew so yeah. uh packing multiple snacks and 
meals were essential for surviving a trip like that. So anyway, All hopefully right. they change that. But man, that was brutal. Yeah. And, it's, and it was nice to see someone doing that, you know, uh, mainline. Yeah. So, you know, we got yeah. to talking about all this stuff, uh, and yeah, he, he was kind of like me. He was like, not a germaphobe, but he's like, yeah, I'm going to, we need more of these alcohol. Can you call catering and have them bring another bag of these things? <laughs> so that's how this trip started, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, so I met the crew. We went to, we went to Charlotte. Uh, it was a, a 10.50 pushback time out of LAX. Ended up wow. 20 minutes late on that departure time. Uh, the reason for that was the inbound aircraft was coming from Las Vegas, and the winds were getting close to 50 knots. And 50 knots, wow. a lot of times, uh, that's it. You suspend operations yeah. because it's beyond any characteristic limitation for pretty much every aircraft out there. So, uh, yeah. so they were they had this huge kind of delay gate hold because of the winds, and they finally got out. They got into LAX. You know, it was kind of a a high buy, good airplane, sorry we're late kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing my walk around and I noticed that one of the taxi lights was cracked. Ah, so yeah. So it's on the nose gear yep. and the Airbus. Uh there are two lights that are kind of up on the strut in, in the mechanism. And mm. it wasn't just burned out, it was it was physically cracked in the holder. Yeah, that's um, dangerous. So yeah. in that situation A lot of people don't realize why that's bad. They 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 don't really understand the consequences. We're having a cracked lens on a taxi light, so right. You, yeah. So you got to get that changed because if that lens cracks on the taxiway, if that lens falls apart on the taxiway or the runway, that can now become fod, that can puncture a tire, uh, can get ingested by an engine, or mm -hmm. puncture a tire, blow up get ingested by an engine or get caught up. It, there's so many different sure. scenarios. But anyway, you yeah. caught it, you found it, yep. had maintenance take care of it. Yep. So I took, a, I took a nice picture. Catch. As, a, as a first officer, I took a picture with my phone. Um, yep. And I always try to get a really good picture so that when I come into the cockpit, I can show that to the captain because it's the captain's responsibility and discretion to yep. you know make sure that everything gets filled out correctly. And he wants to be able to... Uh, pass along or write in the logbook exactly what the issue is and so there's no gray area That's right and uh as you mentioned yeah it, it could fall off it could crack it could shatter it could break a tire well even worse uh because it's the nose gear let's say it stays intact yeah. and now you bring the gear up and that motion of bringing the gear up and getting locked in place and now the door is closed and it shatters in the well yep. now you could be puncturing your own tire and then when you go to put it yeah. down the most critical time is you know take off and landing <laughs> right so you go put it down and it's got a piece of shard of glass in there yeah obviously Absolutely. um so i showed yeah. it to him and he's like oh you sure it wasn't burned out uh, no it was it's cracked here's the photo i i took it so that you could see it you don't have to go out there he goes oh thanks for doing yeah. that um he goes yeah yeah Okay. So, I mean, because we were already late, you know, it was a red eye, it was a one leg to Charlotte, and it was a short uh -huh. layover in Charlotte because it's yeah. get in and yeah. 12 hours later you're leaving again. So, uh, but maintenance came out, they did an excellent, excellent job. Um, they came out and they're, and they too kind of, uh, are you sure it's cracked? Does yeah. it well, does it work? <laughs> it's like, well, I don't know. Yeah, that's you, the you other want me question. to turn on a cracked does bulb? Does it work? Does it work? You know, yeah, and he goes. That, that's the most frustrating question to me: is does it work? Well, the lens is cracked; it doesn't matter if it works or not, right? Because it, yeah, gotta, that's not the gotta point. Fix it, right? So, <laughs> so then uh, he goes. Well, it's in the book. 
and presents the book, the AML, the Aircraft Maintenance yeah. Log. For those of you listeners that don't uh, that don't know what an AML is, just a real quick one. Uh, an AML, every aircraft must have on board at all times during operation an aircraft maintenance log. In that log yeah. is going to have a carbon copy form that any discrepancy with the aircraft found throughout its operation, 24 hours a day, will be put in that book. Once it's in the book, it is what's called an unbalanced open write-up. So you've written up something on the airplane. It could be as little as a screw loose, a panel, a plastic panel in the cabin that came loose, the Velcro got loose, or it could be something major. Right. I mean, it could be, you know, missing the left engine. It, you know, it doesn't really matter. So, <laughs> and that, that happens when they remove the engine, they'll actually write up in the book, Hey, left engine removed. Absolutely. <laughs> Even gear pins, something as simple yep. as gear pins. Yep. If they touch the gear, gear pins, pins, gear pins installed, you can't yep. leave until there's a yep. balancing entry that says, gear pins removed you know so so you have to check that book not only do you have to check it you have to make sure you have the right book that's right i mean you've heard this too right you know you 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 get in the airplane and you know maintenance had two books under their arms they gave you one to to you yeah 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 it's at a sandpiper airways we had a tail number that was 842 and right next to it was tail number 824 and they were both parked in Chicago at a gate that had a uh, it was a it was gate number 16 and it had an A side and it had a B side. So there was lots of room for uh, confusion right. and error. And uh, ultimately, we caught the discrepancy. We all we all boarded the wrong aircraft. Um, and the only way we caught it um, was by the tail number. But. Um, I've had the scenario where the logbook for one airplane was in the opposite airplane. I was sitting right next to it, mm-hmm. and that airplane's logbook was in our airplane. Right. And uh, thank God the checklists and you know threat and error management protocols mm-hmm. uh, trapped the error. And uh, <laughs> thank God we didn't depart with the wrong logbook or the wrong plane to the wrong place with the wrong passengers. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I know personally a captain uh, back in. Sandpiper, uh, he and I flew together many times back when we were based in uh, in L.A. And mm-hmm. he was he had moved to another aircraft. He ended up uh, switching over to a CRJ. And while one of his trips, you know, he was supposed to, same scenario in L.A. where two gates next to each other. I, I forget what it was like a forty three B and forty three C. Right. So yeah. he gets yeah. he goes up to the gate and the gate above forty three. B said, uh, you know, this flight to wherever he was going. And so he yep. gets on the plane. He checks the logbook. He, you know, he, he's, everything's good. The logbook matches the aircraft. Yeah. The aircraft matches, you know, the, the airworthiness. Everything's good. The people are being boarded. The, mm-hmm. the fueler fueled the airplane appropriately. The cargo guys loaded the bags. They took off. About 30 minutes in flight, they get an ACARS message. It's just kind of like a text message in the, in the cockpit. It prints out on the printer in the cockpit. And it says, Captain, you took the wrong airplane. Don't. When you land, I believe it was in Dallas. When you land in Dallas, <laughs> uh, wherever they were going, um, contact dispatch and the chief <laughs> as soon as you land. 
What had oh, happened man. was originally the aircraft he was on was the aircraft to go to this destination. But the mm-hmm. dispatcher, for whatever reason, swapped airplanes. I guess they had a maintenance issue and they wanted to swap airplanes. So to in order to not delay the flight, they swapped airplanes. So when he printed uh, out his release, it was revision one. He didn't uh-huh. notice, this captain didn't notice that revision one, unlike revision zero, which is no revision, right? Revision one had a different right. tail number on it. No one caught it. Oh, the base geez. didn't catch it. Yeah. The, the, the ramp supervisor didn't catch it. The gate agents didn't catch it. Mm-hmm. Even operations didn't catch it. No one yeah. caught it. And it was uh, somewhere, that's, a, that's an example of where the threat and error management has a Swiss cheese model. And the yep. error is not trapped by multiple layers. We're talking six or seven yeah. layers. And it can happen. Yep. So It can happen. The moral yep. is make sure, it doesn't matter <laughs> if you're a captain or FO, if you're flying a 121 operation, make it a habit that you do every flight where you check the paperwork and you check the logbook and you check the tail number of the aircraft. Those three things need to match Absolutely. before you even sit down in the cockpit because... That's Absolutely. a bad day, right? That's a bad day. Yep, yeah. and it's on our checklist. It was at our. It was on our checklist at Sam Piper. Yeah, I remember yeah. when when we got to that point of the checklist. What was it? What would we used to say? I, I think you may have said it, but yeah. paper, metal, plastic, right? That's it. Tail numbers on the paper. Tail numbers on the metal and on the dashboard. Yep, and the glare shield or whatever, and it's on the plastic logbook. That's paper, right. metal, plastic. Yeah, so that's exactly it. That's the importance of the AML now that we've beaten the AML to death here. <laughs> so we, we got it all situated uh, in LA back to the, you know, this this trip here. So we, we take yeah. off and, you know, okay, now we're, we're about 20 minutes late. That's not bad, you know, and uh-huh. we get up to altitude and it was about 30 minutes into the flight. Now it's like a, I think a four hour and 30 minute flight it was to Charlotte that evening mm-hmm. on, on Sunday. And wow. about 30 minutes into the flight, we get an ACARDS message. And we both, the captain and I, you know, we, we were both looking at it in disbelief uh, when we read it. And it said, Captain, this is so-and-so from dispatch. We believe you have a passenger, a 16-year-old minor in seat, uh, whatever it was, 25F. We believe this person may be a victim of sex trafficking. Oh, my. And oh my. both of us, you know, you're... you're you swallow and in your gut, you feel this feeling of, oh my God, is this, this sucks, you know? So yeah. we, we know that the flight attendants at Legacy Airlines have been very well trained, especially in the last few years in relation to sex trafficking and how to deal with the situation. But really, right. and, and we've very mentioned this before. Problem for sure. Absolutely. And can you imagine? I mean, I've got a daughter. And, and uh, I know you've got daughters and you just, yep. it's, it's one of those things oh, where you get both, you get both angry and protective at the same time. And, yeah. but until yep. you, until you're faced with the situation in, in real life, you really don't know how you're going to handle it. And furthermore, we're in the cockpit, we're locked behind a door. We really don't have to deal with this. What the people that are trained and have to deal with it are our flight crew, our flight attendants. So Absolutely. we called the number one and said, listen, we've got a, a message here. This is what it says. 
you know, um, you have protocols. Is that correct? Yes. He said, yes, we do. He goes, okay, see if you can get one of the female flight attendants to just walk by, take a look, see what they observe, maybe have an interaction with them, see if they're flying with anyone, see if they're with anyone and make sure they're okay. Mm -hmm. And just ask them, you know, are you okay? If you can, and then give us, you know, five minutes, we want to hear back from you. So five minutes goes by and he calls back and he goes, yep, I had, you know, the number three flight attendant go back there. She said she's traveling by herself. She's 16, which is perfectly legal to travel by yourself when you're 16. Mm -hmm. Unaccompanied minor, I believe, is up to 13 years old. After 13, I think so. Yeah, Yeah. you don't, you can travel by yourself. So, you know, she started saying how she was scared to fly and, you know, she was just putting her head down on the tray table. She's not flying with anyone and she's afraid because, Hmm. you know, the whole Kobe thing is what she told her flight attendant. Like the whole Kobe yeah. thing. It was like, yeah, you know, tragic event that happened. You know, anyone that turns the TV on. We try to stay away from those kind of stories here at uh, Squawk Ident simply because we try to keep yeah. the journey, the focus, and the positivity in the airline industry and, right. and the hurdles and how to overcome them as our focus. But this is, you know, where her mentality was. And, and so we kind of kept an eye on it. Well, 30 minutes goes by and we send a message to, back to dispatch saying, okay. You know, we've, we've done an assessment. Uh, she's traveling alone. She does not seem to be under any kind of distress. Um, you know, do you have any further information for us? Do you, are you going to have someone meet the aircraft when we get there? What's going on? Yeah. And the dispatcher. or instructions for you. Yeah. yeah, something. You know, what do we do? And the dispatcher uh, replied back with, uh, we've, we've determined that, uh, this uh, individual, the information we initially got was not 100% accurate. This individual was a victim and was rescued oh. and is now going to oh. a home or a shelter in Charlotte. Oh, and they're going to have people meet God. her at the gate in Charlotte and escort her to the shelter because she's a, a rescue victim. Oh, wow. And, man, you know, just felt a lot better that, you know, okay, she's safe. That was my number one concern. Yeah, as it was my captain, Definitely. he was very, very um, attentive to the situation, and uh, yeah. you know, just it's a, a real problem, a, a very big problem. Yeah. And if you go to Las Vegas and into the oh. bathrooms, you've seen it in the stall. See something, say something. Well, there's a picture. Yeah. You know, sex sex trafficking is a major problem yep. in Las Vegas. If you see anything, say something. Here's yep. hotlines and everything. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to look for yep. the hotline number and put that in the show notes as well. That's a good so idea. Good thing that's to have a great on your idea. Phone. You never know. And if you ever seen the movie Taken, that's uh, kind of how I I wish I could handle the situation if that ever happened. Uh, Liam Nielsen, I think, is his name. Yep. <laughs> yep. I have a very uh, particular set of skills. <laughs> I will use this. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, I am nowhere near that skilled or trained like he is. So, (laughs) right. Right. You know, I saw him at the airport in LA a couple years ago. Yeah. He was, he was being escorted, you know, not bother him or anything, but that guy's tall. That's a tall foe, man. He is like, (laughs) I think he's like seven feet, man. I was like looking up at him like, oh my God, a basketball player. Oh no, that's Liam Nielsen. Wow. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. 
That's cool. Nice. That's a big guy. Yeah, I, he's a good actor. I like I like his movies. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So that's cool. the excitement so you, I had, you know. Um, yeah. The next day was pretty simple for us. Uh, we, we did like a one leg to Minneapolis, where I think when we landed, it was pretty cold. But the next morning, it was like 16 degrees. Um, and you know, we could not find where to pick up the hotel van to save our lives. Minneapolis you know? is a little challenging. Yeah, we had to go downstairs, through the tunnel, then up. But then we went up the wrong escalators yes. and had to make a phone call. And they're like, no, you're in the wrong place. Go back down the escalators. And oh, my. And then, okay, where's the van? The van's not here. We're like, well, they were there, but the other people that were in the van didn't want to wait. So you know, oh, we have to send my. it back for you. And 35 minutes later, <laughs> it's like six degrees outside. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, what the hell, man? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I remember, I think it was episode, was it 20, when you were in Miami, and I was yeah, in I Minneapolis, so. and that was that was my uh, prominent, you know, gripe about being in Minneapolis was it was like six or seven degrees outside, yeah. and I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't ready to do anything outside, because it was just so cold, yeah, so brutally cold. Yeah, it, it hurts when it's that cold. Well, when, it, when it, yeah. it's windy and it's cold, that's it'll like little needles, you know. But yeah, that yeah, night we exactly. actually, uh, Captain and I went downstairs. Uh, TGIF is connected to our hotel. We went downstairs and, yeah. you know, had a, a hamburger and uh, french fries, which a little late for that, but what the heck, you know. And of course, I had to try yeah. a local brew. So War Pigs Foggy Geezer Hazy IPA made uh, Sounds good. slash between Copenhagen and St. Paul, Minnesota. It was a pretty hazy IPA. It was uh it was not bad. I liked it. Yeah. You know, went well oh, with uh, a good cheeseburger. Try. Yeah. I don't have any more Minneapolis layovers, hopefully uh, until the summertime. <laughs> but what I do, I'll give that one a try. Yeah. And did you get to go across <laughs> the street to the uh, Mall of America? On that particular overnight, I did not. Um, however, in previous overnights, I, I, I have gone to the Mall of America. And um, it's a pretty cool place, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, my first indoor time. Indoor roller coaster, ice skating rink, you know, plenty of food options and obviously uh, a lot of shopping there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I've been there a few times um, for work and yeah, I enjoy, that's one of my, I wouldn't say one of my favorite, but it's definitely, you know, not my least favorite. And I'll definitely, every time I go there, there's always something I can do and, yeah, you know, place to go get some eat, so it's a good place yeah i had just enough time to walk in grab lunch take a picture or two post it on the uh squawk ident uh, instagram page there in facebook and and that's pretty much it and then uh, that was it last day was uh minneapolis to charlotte two hour sit and then charlotte to la that was a long Boom. day you guys do some pretty serious long legs in that airbus i'm yep. telling you Yep. Man. So the arrival briefing, uh, you know, the first thing we have to ask each other, uh, d doesn't matter who's flying uh, or who's monitoring, we ask each other, okay, do you have any <laughs> potential threats? threats? And I looked at him, I'm like, yep. seriously? Fatigue. <laughs> Last leg, <laughs> uh, it's Tired. eight hours and 50 minutes of flight time on a 14-hour on a duty day. Yeah, I think, uh, let's just get it on the ground. But if you have to go around, go around. <laughs> yeah, so, <exactly>. yeah. <laughs> that was it. That was my trip, yeah. you know, uh, late, wow. late night drive home. And, and then here we are the next day. So, um, but what you, about yourself? You Rob? Well, I was going to say you got in really late, uh, like yeah. one o'clock or so. Yeah. Like, like one thirty like in, in the morning. morning. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. I've had a couple of days like that. Yeah. My, my trip was a very, 
very similar to yours. It was just a long four day trip. Um, it's, it's, I was flying with a uh, soon to retire captain and uh, I think he has four months to go, three months to go, something wow. like that. So he was, uh, he was not ready to retire. He was very, very, um, I don't know. I'm not sure if I know what the right choice of words to say here, but he was, you know, he loved his job. Uh, he loved to fly and, um, you know, he was looking for something to do when he retired that, that kept him in flying. He was thinking about trying to become a, uh, a sim check airman mm. or uh, go to work flight safety, or even if he could fly for like a 135 or part 91 company. But, uh, bottom line was he was, uh, he loved his job very much. He's, he, he said he flew the super 80 for 20 years or so. Nice. And, and he was a, uh, a sandpiper, um, original flow through, I guess you would, we'd call that. Oh yeah. Um, so 2010, so 2011. Yeah. Flow through. Yep. Yep. Well, yeah. T- uh, 1999. Yeah. Oh, real original. Was... Like yeah. 99 hmm. prior to. Long yeah. time ago. Yeah. Yeah. So. He was talking about his days down at Sandpiper, and you know he, he threw out a couple names like we always do mm-hmm. to see if any name check anybody knows anybody, and and a couple of names came across uh, that he knew and that I knew because uh, you know some guys are still over at Sandpiper and uh, they've been there for a while that um, you know I've flown with, and uh, so it was kind of neat to just share stories about that. But anyway, uh, long story short about him, uh, it was fun flying with him. It was great sharing the stories and. Um, he's a, he's a fantastic pilot, very professional. Um, and it's good to fly with these guys. Cause you know, he's passing the torch on to guys like you and I, and, you know, hopefully we can continue that love and legacy of, of flying airplanes. But, um, yeah, we, we were, um, started out our four day with a, uh, just a quick turn to Austin. And then, uh, we ended up flying, uh, out to uh, Sacramento for an overnight and uh so had a, a fairly early start nothing too crazy i think uh, our show was like eight o'clock in the morning and then uh so by the time we got to sacramento the time change it was only like 1 30 in the afternoon or something like that but mm-hmm. you know you had the two hour difference so you're looking at a six or seven hour day um so it wasn't too crazy long like yours but you know with an early wake up and you know, all that flying, it, it, you get, you're kind of tired when you get there. Sure. But the interesting thing for me was, and, and I am not very used to this, um, and I, please forgive me for even bringing it up, but uh, when I was in Sacramento, I went for a walk to uh, a, one of the local uh, faux restaurants, Vietnamese uh-huh. faux restaurants, yeah. which is just about 100 yards away, not yeah. too far. We're downtown Sacramento. And... Man, I got to tell you, it is very, very obvious and it's very prominent how many you know, homeless people are yes. are living in the streets out there. Sacramento and, has really blown up over the last 10 years. And a 100-yard walk, I've got asked four times for money. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I feel bad for these guys and some of these people. So, you know, I unfortunately, I couldn't help them out. But anyway, that was just something that just, you know, I couldn't get over. Um, you know, thinking about the, how these people get, got into this situation. But anyway, 
that was uh, something you kind of have to deal with when you're, you know, going on these overnights. Kind of need to make sure you're, uh, you, you, you know, kind of get the the lay of the land, familiar with your area. If you're not familiar, make sure you find out what's in the area from the hotel or from mm-hmm. fellow crew members. Just be safe when you get out there. And uh, anyway, so that was that. Good restaurant though. I don't even remember the name of it, but man, that stuff was spicy. Yeah. <laughs> There's a large yeah. community, uh, Vietnamese, uh, in Sacramento. And a lot of those homeless, um, you know, it, it wasn't that bad years. I know growing up there, it was never really that bad. Sacramento, big jazz festival in Sacramento every year. Highly recommend. Used to go. There, don't they? What's that? Don't they have, they have a big school there too, don't they? Is, is it Sacramento yeah, Sac State, State or? Yeah, Sac State Sac and State, the Golden yeah. State Warriors. Uh, they're up there, up That's there right. in Sacramento. Yep. Basketball team. Yeah. That's yeah, dude. Cool. It's a nice downtown. I like it. Just uh, kind of have to navigate accordingly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you you raise but, a good point, in which we're going to be talking about here in just a little bit. That's right. Is to really know your surroundings. Uh, as a crew member on a layover, you're in a strange city. Even though you've been there maybe a bunch of times, always, always, always uh, use the tools and the training that, that you may or may not have had, which we'll talk a little bit about today on always not looking over your shoulder per se because that's a passive way um you need to you need to really take an active part in being safe especially on on a layover so absolutely uh, but yeah so i'm sorry you got to see that um a lot of times the homeless what these cities will do the municipalities uh, the big cities like oakland and san francisco berkeley Mm -hmm. they'll uh you know they'll gather up the homeless from the shelter, yeah. or, you know, charter a Greyhound bus or something, mm-hmm. and they'll bus them out to, you know, any community that will take them. Uh, and Sacramento yeah. traditionally was one of those. There are a lot of churches and missions yeah. there that help out. Yeah. Well, I'm glad they have that for sure. You know, they don't, definitely those people need help and, yeah. you know, any, anywhere they can get help, you know, that's awesome. And, and to be honest with you, uh, Walking into the terminal here at my home base here in Dallas, uh, there's a noticeable um, uptick in the amount of homeless people that are spending the night outside of security at the airport. Really? Um, It's been mentioned in a bunch of uh, social forums. And um, I haven't quite dove into uh, any of the, uh, uh, you know, management websites or for the management areas for the airport to see if there's any complaints or anything. But um, anyway, I think what's what's ha- happening is there's a, there's a new rail service that's coming in from Fort Worth. Oh, yeah. The Dart. And it's brand new. I yeah. think The Dart Rail. Yeah. And I think what's happening is, is they're getting on that, that rail service in the evening times, and they know that they can come to the airport. They have, uh, you know, inside shelter there. There's bathrooms and, you know, outlets right. where they, they can charge their four hundred dollar iphone <laughs> right believe it or how, not how does that work they you know yeah. hey can yeah. i bu- can i bum a buck <laughs> i need to pay my phone bill <laughs> yeah and, and and as far as i know there there hasn't been any uh real security issues at all but you know you know they're not passengers they don't have any right. you know travel bags and stuff like that and and it and unfortunately just due to the you know the environment these poor people have to live in that you know they when you walk into the terminal you can tell it smells, doesn't, it's a, kind of a yeah. foul, you know, body odor stench. But, but anyway, I hate talking about it because I feel bad and about it. But anyway. It's a problem. Moving yeah, on. We need to fix it. <laughs> talking about it does yeah. help. But 
So yeah, so moving yeah. on, you uh, and it's just they're hanging out at the airport there, so yeah. it's kind of rough when you walk in. You're like, oh man, you know these poor people sleeping on tile floors. So yeah, but I guess it's better than being outside. But yeah, moving on. Yeah, we we uh, the next day uh, out of Sacramento, uh, Sacramento there was a, uh, I guess we'd call it um, it. I'm not actually. I forgot what what term we use it, but it was very foggy. <laughs> valley fog. Maybe that's it. Valley fog. Tule fog or very, valley fog. Yeah. Valley fog. It yeah. was very foggy that morning, and and the captain immediately was concerned about this, and he's like, "Man, I've been flying for you know thirty, almost forty years, and uh, this is the first. This is one of the first times that I've actually had a super low visibility takeoff. Really? And I think the RVR at the time when we showed up at the airport was reporting close to six or 700 RVR. Yeah. So it was super foggy. Mm-hmm. And uh, for us in the 737, uh, the captain, uh, and I believe it's the same, same way with, with uh, across uh, other fleets too, but the captain has to do the takeoff whenever it's below what 1600 RVR. Yep. Yep. So, uh, but that particular morning, just by the cadence of the flights, the way the way we uh, we work things, it was supposed to be my my turn to fly the airplane to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So we were discussing that, and I'm like, hey, you know, boss, it doesn't matter to me. You could fly it to Phoenix. You know, the, the amount of takeoff and landings in a trip doesn't really bother me if I get them all, or if you get them all, or if you get one here and I get one there, whatever, as long as we get the job done, right? Right. So uh, the... Uh, Fortunately for us, the RVR did come up to about 1600 prior to takeoff. So I was able to do um, the takeoff, yeah. You know, fly the airplane, do the takeoff. And uh, it was just like the sim, but it was particularly uh, uh, not challenging, but very what I, what I, uh, you know, we do this in the sim all the time for training. You take off in a low, low RVR uh, scenario. Um, but, you know, there's some always some kind of, uh, I don't know what what am I trying to say here. There's a, there's always some kind of like gray, you know. They always the 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 visuals always give you that gray um, perception that the fog is there. It's gray, low light situation. Right. You, know, you kind of know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, that right? hazy, uh, then, you, know, you know, computer visual. Look. Yeah, in the sim. So you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, uh, but in this particular case, it was dark. It was nighttime. So there, there was uh, the other than our lights illuminating whatever's in front of us. It was there was no, you know, no perception of yeah anything. I mean, you were literally in the cloud on the runway taking off. So yeah. I got to do the takeoff, and you know, obviously my focus is centerline, 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 and right. you know, rotate on cue and and climb right up right up into the uh, flight director, and uh, it was awesome. Yeah, the fog wasn't very high, you know. As you can imagine, most fog isn't, you know, altitude-wise. Right. I think we punched out of it by like three or four hundred feet. Yeah, uh, so yeah, it's typical. Uh, out once there. again, on top of it, it was severe clear. But man, that was that was pretty fun because, uh, yeah. you know, that was taking your training. And I, you know, we've we've you and I've done it, Tony. Low visibility, but I haven't really done it right down to sixteen hundred yeah. RVR. I mean, we had to actually get that reading from the. Uh, the controller actually read out the RVR right before takeoff, mm-hmm. and we had planned that the captain do the takeoff. So when he said, "Hey, it's sixteen hundred, I was like, "Okay, I think I could do it." He's like, "All right, it's all yours." <laughs> nice. So blast it off, 
took off to uh, that morning. This was Saturday morning. Now I believe we're on our way to uh, Phoenix. Uh-huh. And arriving into Phoenix, um, it was beautiful day. You know, typical Arizona weather, just clear. Uh, winds were very light, and uh, we're descending into the valley area on one of the arrivals. And uh, uh, I got to check on with the. Uh, uh, well, we, the captain was the pilot monitoring, so he does all the communicating while we're in flight and I'm the pilot flying. Uh, he checked in and I noticed the voice on the, uh, on the radio was a former student of mine at, at Tailwind. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was my multi-engine student. The Phoenix controller. And, um, that, uh, yeah. He's now a Phoenix controller. And so I, you know, quickly got on the radio and I said, Hey, what's going on, man? And he, you know, we, quick a couple of quick few exchanges of hi and how are you and uh i think he may have gave given us a preferential vector to the runway because there wasn't much going on and uh i told him i'd give him a call so uh it was kind of neat because you know you and i f- did a flight training in in uh in that phoenix area so coming in you know i'm looking around at the uh at all the airports and yeah. towns as we're as i'm descending into the town and then just to check on and hear an, a familiar voice that you know you've you've heard before right. uh you know over 15 years ago and um it was kind of neat so that was nice got into dallas uh got into not to dallas got into phoenix no problem turned around and uh we were on our way to i think we we're going to reno but uh that that was that was a really really kind of nice uh, arrival into Phoenix. Uh, but some news actually that just came out. Did you hear about your uh, former flight school being purchased by United Airlines? Well, it was the, the flights, the other flight school that uh, is on the field. So oh, okay. I went to, so you weren't a West winner. No, I w- that was next door. And actually, I know, oh, okay. I know quite a few of my uh, fellow flight school uh, students that were, you know, there with me learning, uh, they went there to instruct. So I see. Okay. Yeah, I need to make some phone calls. Maybe, uh, maybe you can get an interview with one of those individuals and see what's really going on over there. But yeah, it's, uh, that's a great topic, um, that we can yeah. dive into on, a, on an, another show where we can give it some proper time. But yeah, the, we've talked about it before the yeah. uh, future of the airlines, um, and the regional, airline model, the hub-and-spoke system, flying uh, 50 or so passenger aircraft, that is working right now, but it's not sustainable for the future simply because the number of pilots that are you know, getting their commercial certificate or their ATP certificate has diminished significantly in the last even five years because of things like, you know, economics and how expensive it is and how easy or hard it is to get a loan or, you know, so, you know, and then to get out of that and then go make less than the national average for a few years while you're trying to catch up, you know, with a six-figure loan over your head and, I mean, it, it's ugly. Yeah, it's tough. So this was always kind of in the works. The rumor mill has been uh, surrounding the industry about how the major airlines were going to have to buy flight schools just to get people to to train and yeah. to go there and under some kind of you know agreement or contract. So yeah, this is one of the first uh, major legacy carriers mm-hmm. that has participated in this in a long time. This used to happen. Yeah, way back time. Yeah. yeah. And so right. I know JetBlue yeah, has a program. I actually, yeah, I think JetBlue has a program. And back 
for a brief amount of time, I did go to that uh, Delta Connection Academy or right. formerly Comair, um, and that, which was owned by Delta Airlines. And uh, but yeah, a lot of those uh, those flight school pilot factories or whatever you want to call it um, seem to disappear after. 9-11 and you know the interest and everything like that just like you were talking about the economics and the stuff like that a lot of those flight schools just disappeared but uh, i thought that was interesting news and yeah right we should talk about it at some point at a uh, future show give it give it its due time yeah so uh yeah i want to definitely have a discussion with that i'm gonna bring in when we do that episode if hopefully you'll be available for that i'm gonna bring in uh, another former uh, guest on the show who is working with me to to work on the future of where we're going to be collecting these these new pilots because the model is just it's not working anymore. Uh, so it's not sustainable. Gonna, yeah, I'm happy to say that uh, our friend Max friend is going to be joining us. Hopefully, we can the three of us can get together and have a, a good conversation on that. The only other thing I wanted to talk about, yeah, is a little bit about this coronavirus epidemic. I mean, it's in full scare mode right now uh, here it in the sure U.S. Is. It is a very serious problem. Uh, later in the week, we're going to bring a special episode of Squawk Ident where we're going to bring in uh, a, a guest that is a doctor of pharmacology who is going to talk a little bit about her opinion and her knowledge mm -hmm. of what's going on and how to protect yourself here in the U.S. Now, no one here in the U.S. has died from this virus. More people in the US have died from the common flu than, right. than this thing. Um, I think the last news report that I read early this morning was either nine or 12 uh, US people or here in the US have contracted it and they evacuated American citizens out of China. And there are two oh. aircraft that are specially equipped aircraft with people that you know have clearly the bio uh, protection bio suits and all on, that, yeah. yeah and one of them went to an air force base in california and another one went to an air force base somewhere else i think um and yeah. of those people they're all you know being quarantined on the base right. and i think oh, there's only a child that uh that has a fever they don't even know if it's this, right. you know, there's further testing. So I'm gonna, yeah. I'll look at it tonight and see if I can get more information on that and pass that along too. But, yeah. but what we have yeah. time for today is to just talk about what we're seeing so far. Um, and what you were telling me a little bit about your experience that, what did you see on your trip yeah. this week? Yeah, so uh, throughout that uh, four-day sequence, so mainly in Dallas, because that's the uh, big international airport, and uh, Phoenix was the other international airport that I was flying in and out of this week, there was a noticeable um, difference in the amount of people that were wearing the uh, the, the surgical masks mm -hmm. as you walk through the terminals. And uh, I got to admit, most of them were of Asian descent, It looked, and at least it appeared to me, uh, but uh, there was... It was just just so amazing the the uh, the uptick in the numbers of that, which you know I guess you know you can never be too safe about that. If you read some of the uh, articles or recommendations that have been uh, disseminated throughout uh, our company um, company uh, 
you yeah, know, emails, emails and, yeah. and you know, messages and stuff like that. And then just reading through some of the articles, I guess, you know, that you gotta, they want you, if you have to sneeze, you know, sleeve, sneeze into your sleeve or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess this is going to help, but, uh, anyway, yeah, there was a lot of people out there with the, uh, with those masks on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What'd you see? You know, I just, I was expecting to see an uptick as you mentioned, just coming out of LAX. And LAX, I don't know what it is about the culture here in Southern California. Usually, you know, we have a lot of flights going into Asia, Hong Kong uh, yeah. and whatnot, uh, 777 that leaves every evening. And what I have saw was it wasn't just people of an Asian descent wearing the mask. Now, in the past, you know, I've heard some kind of negative stereotypes about that. I think, good, if you're ill and you're not feeling well, then and you're going to travel, you should wear a mask because the mask will help um, keep Contain. you from infecting others. Yeah. Now, if you exactly. are wearing a mask and you think that's going to help you from getting a respiratory virus or illness or cold or flu or germs or whatnot... Well, from yeah, somebody else. It, if it's the right mask, okay, but if it's a you know, kind of cheap cloth or fabric or paper or surgical yeah. mask, you know, if it's not yeah. a, an N95 mask, which is a 3M filtered mask, yeah. especially made for this, it really isn't going to be doing the job. And then you touch the mask. Right. So right. if you touch the mask when you're taking yeah. it on and off with your hands and then your, your hands are touching surfaces and then those surfaces might be. Uh, containing a virus infected and now you touch yeah. your face as most of us do 10 to 15 times you know in in an hour an hour you know <laughs> so you know, your ears your nose your yeah. mouth you know that these are the areas we're very sensitive some people like touch their neck or touch their arms touch, and then yeah. you know so you can wear a mask great okay so now you're touching the mask taking it off yeah. to one yeah. flight attendant that i had this week was telling me how somebody had that uh towel pinned to their hoodie and then she came by, uh-huh. would you like something to drink during the flight? She's like, well, I'll take a, I'll take a Coke. So what did she do? She handed her the Coke, and she lifted up this towel over her, <laughs> over her mouth, and she drank the Coke, and then put the towel back down. It's like, okay, you're kind of defeating the purpose here, <laughs> you know? But I did see people walking through the terminal, uh, white, white descent, uh, you know, not just white, not just Asians, but like every ethnic culture, oh, yeah. maybe yeah. 20%. Normally, you see like two three percent of people wearing a mask in an airport hey that's oh. fine and most of the time they're they're of asian descent because they're coming from a culture where right. you know spaces uh their personal space is much smaller than us americans and this right. time it was everybody i mean there was just like 20 25 yeah. of the people were wearing a mask or wearing some kind one guy was wearing like a jogging mask like the kind you wear like a uh-huh. rebreather I have one in my kit bag mm. when I when I go run and I'm trying to do some uh, yeah. oxygen deprivation running kind of thing. And uh-huh. <laughs> so one guy was wearing <laughs> one of those and I'm like, okay, you know, and, and so they're wearing those paper cloth ones that you can, you know, that you yeah. don't even really secure right. to your face. And, and okay. I guess the point of all this is is really and and you know, obviously we're not experts, so you know we we don't have a clue. However. The way to really prevent yourself from getting sick or a way to give yourself the best chance of not getting sick is you really have to have one of those body suits that you see the CDC wearing 
whenever those planes or those boats come come in, right. you know, they got the full body suit with the mask, with the gloves, with the goggles, you know, not one, you know, portion of their skin or hair or face is exposed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, unless you're doing that, these masks, like you said, are only going to contain your illness from, from, uh, from, you know, ex- spreading to somebody else. It's yeah. not going to prevent somebody else's illness from, uh, infecting you. Right. So, <laughs> so far, China, from what I understand, has about 28,000 cases of this virus. It's a highly contagious virus with 563 uh, people that have died from it. We in the yeah. U.S., uh, here it is, uh, 12 cases so far in the U.S., and no deaths as of yet. As uh, of yet. And, you know, these, uh, these filters, like we were talking about, these masks, um, you have to wear the right one. I mean... We're not in the environment where it's all over the place and we're sp- we're shutting down society and spraying everything down with antivirals. Right. We're not doing that yet. Uh, I did read an article over here on the 5th of February uh, from MarketWatch website. It's marketwatch.com. And it's an article written by Elizabeth Butchward, Butchwald. I hope I didn't uh, hurt that too much. Butchwald, uh, Elizabeth. And she wrote in an article titled, The CDC Says... Americans shouldn't wear face masks to prevent the coronavirus. Here are three other reasons not to wear them. And she goes on, and I'm not going to read it verbatim, but I'll try to get some of these highlights. And I'll, again, put the link in the show notes. But the uh, Center for Disease Control and Prevention says people in the U.S. shouldn't wear face masks to prevent the spread of coronavirus, but that's not the only reason Americans may want to think twice about using them. One expert told MarketWatch, most people don't know how to use the face mask correctly, and a rush (laughs) to buy these masks could prevent the people who really need them, uh, like healthcare providers uh, and whatnot, from having access to them because they are running off the shelf faster than they can replace them. The CDC says last week it doesn't recommend people use face masks, making the announcement on the same day that the first case of person-to-person transmission of the coronavirus was reported in the U.S. At the time of this article, there were only 11 confirmed cases in the U.S., uh, and this was on Tuesday. And I quote from uh, Nancy Messiner, the virus is not spreading in the general community. She is uh, the director of Center for the National Center for Immunization and Respiratory Diseases. Oh. And in a January 30th briefing, so this was, uh, for all fairness, about a week ago, we don't routinely yep. recommend to use the face mask by the public to prevent respiratory illness. And we certainly are not recommending that at this time for this new virus. Um, Americans don't seem to be heeding the CDC's advice. Walgreens whose stock has risen by 0.96%, and Duane Reed Pharmacies have seen an increased demand for face masks and hand sanitizer across the country. Uh, spokesperson wow. for Walgreen, uh, Ms. Alexandria Brown, had indicated, uh, we continuously are closely monitoring these types of situations to ensure that we have significant supply of these products, she said. Uh, CVS has also seen a surge in sales. Their stock is up (laughs) 0.72% and uh, pretty much uh, saying the same thing. Um, The CDC's recommend... And I'm reading... Are you looking at it? Oh, go ahead. 
Oh no, I'm, I was actually going to say I'm looking at uh, uh, an article, not an article, and actually a, a website, the World Health Organization, and they're saying pretty much the same thing you're saying. Um, and one of the topics is uh, is novel coronavirus advice for the public, and mm. it says when and how to use masks. Oh, perfect. So it it says, yeah, it comes right out and says, and you, you know, obviously they're they're saying almost this, pretty much the same thing you're saying is. If you're healthy, you only need to wear a mask if you're taking care of a person with suspected novel uh, coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And uh, wear a mask if you're coughing or sneezing. And uh, masks are effective only when used in combination with frequent hand cleaning and alcohol-based hand rub or soap and water. If you wear a mask, you must know how to use it and dispose of it properly. Because <laughs> I guess that's another, you know, topic or or thing. It, at some point, you're gonna have to throw this thing away. Well, right. if it's infected, yeah. Wow. Right. Jeez. Just leave it on the kitchen counter. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. This. this Oops, uh, sorry, my bad. You know, both these articles have indicated in one way, shape, or form that the best way to protect yourself from is basic hygiene, washing your hands. Yep. And I don't know if you saw it yep. this morning, but there was a, a some kind of photo or meme on the social media in regards to this, and they had a, mm-hmm. a piece of bread. And in that piece of bread, uh, or that bread was then put in a Ziploc bag. It was a school teacher somewhere that she did this experiment mm-hmm. for her class. And so there were like five bags, and in each bag was a piece of bread. And the bread was mm-hmm. handled by every student in the class and then put in this Ziploc yep. bag and left in a dark drawer for a period of time. And then at the end of this time interval, they pulled these plastic bags out and they inspected each bag. And each bag had a, a little post-it in it and it said, okay, this one was handled by the students that washed their hands with soap and water. And the mm. bread looked a little stale but not a drop or, or a piece of mildew or anything on it, okay? Then the next one had mm-hmm. um, uh, the students used uh, the hand sanitizer, and there were mm-hmm. uh, maybe uh, an eighth of the surface was covered in mold or sporific-type uh, degradation. Wow. And yeah. then they kept going, and it said, okay, here's uh, the the hands were were just wiped on a, a napkin after uh, eating and then they handled <laughs> yeah. the bread and it was just like covered in, in mold. And, oh and just, boy. So like, all these little different things. And it just went to show you mm-hmm. that even the hand sanitizer had its flaws, but washing your hands yeah. with soap and water with warm water for a minimum of 20 to 30 seconds, you know, prior to rinsing, right. uh, that was really the best way. The most um, effective way. And we're going to yeah. dive into this. Good job, educator. I like that. Yeah. Well, great, great show. Great way to demonstrate to the yeah. kids, for yep. sure. Yep. And like you mentioned, the World Health Organization, I'll, I'll get that link and put it in the show notes. Uh, they gave instructions for how far to appropriately uh, wear and dispose of these face masks, and who also noted, uh, however, the use of the mask alone is insignificant uh, in, in terms of uh, providing the adequate level of protection against this virus. So, you know, it's kind of a false sense of security for the general public. And if you're high risk, if you're immune deficient, if you are elderly or very young, then, and you're in a public place where there's a potential for people from that area of the world that has this outbreak Mm. currently going on, 
then, okay, I can understand wearing the appropriate mask and taking the appropriate measures while you're in public. But for the general public, because they're, tra- they're traveling to uh, Tupelo, Mississippi, you know, <laughs> uh, okay, that's fine. It's fine. Yeah. You want to wear the mask? Yeah. Wear the mask. It's fine. Just, yeah. Yeah. We just were on it to scratch yeah. the surface of what we've seen uh, as aviators because we are here with the public. And, and that's yep. exactly um, you know, what we're yep. seeing a lot of. Yep. It's yeah. crazy. And most people don't even realize where, where this virus originated. They just know it's China. Um, but it originated in a city called Wuhan, China. Mm-hmm. Wuhan City, it's in China. And if you look on a, on a map, it's like very, very deep in the center. Well, I would say in the very geometric center, but it's in the, it's way far away from all the other cities, you know, yeah, Hong Kong. It's not Kong, in a densely Fiji, populated place, yeah. And exactly. it, it, it originated, they've actually pinpointed it, it originated in an open air meat and seafood market, meaning these guys have yeah. these little folding tables every day they set up, they're cutting raw meat yep. and raw fish all together you know, who knows with the same knife, uh, sanitation is really not a priority. Yep. And people come in at the local place and they're right. buying stuff and they're, you know, handling the food and, you know, wiping their hands. We've all seen the movie Contagion, right? Oh, yeah. And if you haven't oh, seen the movie yeah. Contagion lately, you haven't seen the movie Contagion <laughs> because it's now, you know, it's like a whole new level of fear factor, you know. Uh, I, I sat down and watched it with my 13-year-old a couple of days ago, and her eyes yeah. got all big, and she's like, oh, my God. I'm like, see? Oh, see? man. See? You see what happens? <laughs> Listen to your father. <laughs> That's right. So cool. the last, you know, un- unfortunately... Um, we, we actually, on the last day of my trip, and I think you were, you were home that day, we, we got some news that one of our fellow aviators, unfortunately, came to a very untimely end while on an overnight. Oh, yeah. And it, yeah, it really did hit close to home. Did you know yep. the individual that we're, we won't say his name. I did not. Yeah, no, I, I did not. I'm, I, uh, I did see a, a picture of the individual and i didn't recognize recognize him but gosh man i felt uh, you can't help but you know your heart just goes out to him and his family you know mm-hmm. that that's go ahead and talk about it tell everybody what happened i don't know if everybody knows yeah well if you know anybody that is on uh, the news cycle uh, probably has seen this story it's devastating uh but it's uh, someone who is in the industry. Uh, I recognized him. I, I didn't know him personally. I saw him around the airport and whatnot. Um, but uh, according to uh, an article written on a WBTV.com, uh, an article that was mm-hmm. written by the staff there, a Charlotte-based pilot was shot and killed in Puerto Rico, a family member told WBTV Monday. Family members say 48-year-old, I'll leave the name out, but uh, a pilot who was currently flying for American Airlines was killed in a shooting during one of his layovers. The family has lots of questions, but right now they are in shock and grieving the loss of someone they love dearly. Uh, This pilot's father uh, said that he died near some sort of bar in Puerto Rico, uh, in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Uh, and yeah. you know, you're, you're he he quoted as saying, you know, you're in shock at first, you know, and of course you feel overwhelmed, you don't know what to do. Um, but 
you know, you, you gotta just, you just gotta keep moving on and, and dealing with the situation. Um, his, uh, he said his son had a passion for the aviation industry and loved to fly, even getting the chance to occasionally work with his daughter who had worked as a flight attendant. Uh, so the, uh, the elder, uh, the elder, the father noted that, uh, his son was a family man. And he was, he said, uh, I'm losing a very close friend and obviously my firstborn son. So they're, that whole Gosh. family is grieving. I mean, I can't imagine that you're sitting there on an overnight, you know, you're, you're out having a beer or whatever with your crew or by yourself, yeah. or we really don't know the situation. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, you know, it, it doesn't really matter what happened. Right. What matters is we've lost one of our own. And it's a very, yeah. very tragic uh, ending to his story. Yeah. So, you yeah, know, scared. it really got me thinking. I was talking on the hotel van with some other flight crews that were there uh, when the story broke. And, mm-hmm. you know, they all had, some of them, actually, one of them actually knew him. Um, so they all had really? kind things to say about him. And, you know, we were just there. Uh, I was there in Puerto Rico last month, uh, went to Old Town, yeah. Old San Juan, uh, with my captain, wow. had a great day out there. Um, I was aware, uh, simply because uh, before we left the hotel, I made sure I asked, you know, is there any area we're going to run from here to here? Is there any area we should avoid? Um, you know, yeah. I made sure I had the hotel phone number in my phone that it worked. Uh, I had all the, yep. I took all the precautions that I would uh, normally take when I'm in a place that I'm not familiar with. However, I mean, this really could have happened to anyone because this individual. From what I understand, yeah. the the situation it's still evolving on the story of what happened. But uh, he was yeah. outside of a some kind of club having a cigarette. You yeah. Know, and what his schedule was like, I don't know. If he got in late and decided to go get a beer and hang yeah. out, went outside yeah. to have a cigarette, and yeah. the bouncer, four he could have been doing what I did, like I did in uh, in Sacramento, where I was walking my hundred yard walk to get something to eat, and he happened to have walk by this establishment at the time. You know, of course we'll. We'll never know, but uh, it's and it's an ongoing investigation. But you know, very similar situation. You know, we I could have been in the same shoes as he was, just walking by, or happened to be in that general area. Yeah. When it when it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I guess. Uh, what would they say? What What do we know happened well, outside? From what I understand, from what I've been told by by people that either knew him or uh, knew the family. Is that he, from what they understand, he was having a cigarette outside of a club and uh, there was an altercation that broke out with the establishments, uh, their bouncers and a local individual. Uh, The gunshots happened between the bouncers and the individual that they were kicking out of the establishment and he was caught in the crosshairs. As simple as that, wrong place, wrong time, on a layover. Yeah. Leaving behind yeah. a family and uh, and a child and a wife and uh, you know it 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 acts geez. both as a reminder that life is precious and that we mm-hmm. could be here one minute and gone the next uh, and to appreciate yep. and enjoy your life and your family and uh, while you can yep. while you're here um, but more so yep. it really did open. Uh, a book to be revisited, which is safety on overnights. Safety for sure. Yeah. And I've had the privilege uh, to be trained a little bit um, in my 
history of my career field about security. Uh, the Concord, mm -hmm. California Police Department uh, had the uh, some training for a former employer that I was working for uh, that mm -hmm. uh, for about three years, every season, they would come in and train all of us. Uh, I was a, a security supervisor for the Concord Pavilion outdoor arena concert, wow. concert arena. I was, I was, you know, teenager, 19, 20, 21 years old. And, yep. um, you know, I got some training back then. And, and of course, through our company and through the company before the one we were working now, we also received some extensive uh, security training, security yeah. protocols. Most flight attendants receive very extensive security training. But what they don't right. really talk about often, or at least I think often enough, is security while you're on a layover. You know, how often yeah. do you see one of the members of your crew say, well, I'm going to go, you know, out and grab a bite to eat, and they'll leave the hotel by themselves at night. It's like, right. what, what are you doing? Yep. You know, um, yeah. even if I'm tired, if I have a crew member that says, hey, man, I, I'm kind of hungry, but there's nothing here at the hotel. I'm going to run across the street. I'll say, oh, do you want me to go with you? Even if I'm tired, yeah. because, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I would like somebody to return the favor for one, but, um, yeah, I just, yeah. you know, you yeah, have to watch tough. back. It, and you, you have like, like we're probably going to get into, but you, you really just have to know your surroundings. You know, if you're unfamiliar with the area and, uh, you know, you're, you're saying you're going to go out and get something to eat. Well, hopefully uh, you've done some research or you've talked to the front desk or you've talked to another crew member, um, about that, but, um, at least, you know, get it, get a, get a sense of the area before you head out, um, and make sure another crew member knows what you're doing and where you're going, at least generally, because that they can, you know, if they know about it, they can say, Hey, don't go in that direction, go in the other direction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I did you know before what I mean? that and run. If something does, mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And if somebody knows where you're going, at least, uh, they, if you're not back, <laughs> they have an idea of which direction you went uh, initially, at least, you know, that's, that's, that's always something, uh, is a good general, um, security precaution to go to. But also another thing, Tony's is never tell, you know, anybody other, never tell anybody outside of your coworkers where your layover is at Absolutely. in a particular city. Yep. Yep. Uh, you never know if somebody who has, uh, uh, you know, ulterior motives, uh, may follow you or stalk you to the hotel. And, uh, you know, that, that gives away mm -hmm. some pretty, pretty bad information. If somebody wants to uh, do so, do you harm? Yeah. I've had so, passengers ask, and I've heard them asking flight attendants too, as well going, Oh, you know, have, are you, are you flying on or, yeah. you know, what's going on? And it's like, Oh no, uh, we're, we're staying here. Oh, where are you staying? You know, trying to make conversation yep. and you know, yep. those that, those that tell them I cringe and I talk to them later, usually I'm like, ah, you really, you do what you yep. want, but you know, and, and, and then along those lines is, is that, that could be, um, the way they ask that question. And a lot of people don't realize is they may be asking the question, trying to get an answer from you, but they may not, may not be the actual person right. that is wanting to do your harm. They may be just trying to get the answer out of you audibly so that the person that who's really trying to do you harm who's sitting next to you again uh you may not have any focus on them yeah you'll never even recognize them but because you were talking to this individual right you know that next person may want to be the one that does you harm so yeah again, reference got to be taken right exactly keep yeah. it hush that's hush how they, that's how and got we yeah. 
We stay at a nice place in a hotel somewhere that I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Aviator Tony and Squawk Ident tips and, and Rob D, I'm sure will uh, agree with me. Here's some tips that when you're traveling, when you're, you know, whether you're an airline crew or not, uh, these are some tips that uh, we've done a little bit of research on and, and found mm-hmm. to be uh, helpful. Do your research before you travel. You know, first rule of yeah. safe travel, don't be ignorant to where you're going. You know, find out where safe uh, accommodations are, you know, maybe even take mm-hmm. a look. Google Maps, everybody's got Google Maps. You know, you can easily type sure. in, uh, you know, police station or anything and kind of know mm-hmm. where where you're going before you go there. Uh, try Definitely. to blend in with your surroundings. How many stories have you heard over the years where, you know, some yeah. pilots watch or some flight attendants uh, jewelry was, was they're mugged for their jewelry or their watch, or, you know, they yep. took their wallet, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, a lot yep. of people, a lot of pilots, uh, don't have, they have a real wallet and a fake wallet. And on the layover, yep. they'll take this little, you know, fake little wallet and they'll just put money and an ID and maybe one emergency credit card that they have on speed dial to to lock it out in case they get, yep. you know, mugged. most people won't take your phone, but that's kind of happening too nowadays yeah. with these expensive phones. But, um, so yeah, have that, maybe leave the wallet in the safe in the hotel room and, and take the fake wallet and put it in your front pocket. Yep. Uh, don't flash your yep. wealth. Obviously, um, you know, you're going to pay at the bar. Yeah. If you know the bill's coming, mm-hmm. don't, don't pull out your wad of cash or your wallet <laughs> at the table so people behind you can see just kind of like do it under the table on the sly or, or maybe go to the bathroom and while you're right while you're there put the money in your front pocket so especially when you're in a, another country yep. you never know uh stay safe in the transportation yeah. uh how many people get on the crew van every day and don't put on a seatbelt and how oh, many times have you heard the hotel van getting sideswiped in an intersection on the way Absolutely. to the airport or on the way. To, it happens. It doesn't yep. happen very often, but it happens. So stay safe. Uh, you know, be aware. If, yeah. the, if the hotel van doesn't have a working seatbelt, take an Uber and submit it or take a cab and submit it because Absolutely. the company will pay. You will not have to pay for it. Yep. Uh, because if you just take a picture that this, there are no seatbelts in this van, I'm not riding in this van. Now, whether you not, you... Yep. And I'll, wear it or not you know that's up to you but it's yeah. got to be available but to you. you know and this, yeah that that's something that uh that that's a good point to bring up and now i haven't done the research to find out if this is true or not however i did uh my wife is in the insurance field health insurance and everything like that so she she did mention to me at one time long time ago that a lot of people may not realize that uh if you're traveling in a vehicle company time mm-hmm. and you don't have your seatbelt on and you get into an accident the insurance companies may not uh cover your injuries because you weren't taking the appropriate safety precautions ah. now i don't know how true that is but it there may be you know it's like one of those clauses where you know was the airbags working where the was the anti-lock brakes working blah mm-hmm. blah blah when you got into the accident you know, were the seatbelts working? Were they not on? Why were your Why are your injuries so drastic when you know everybody else who had their seatbelt on only had, you know, whiplash? So right. anyway, that's something that uh, I there's no re- no no reason to test that one out. Just put on your seatbelt. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So and, and it really is what else? a simple way to kind of protect yourself. Uh, another yeah. thing: uh, keep your belongings safe. 
So, yep. you know, you're at the hotel and you decide, I'm going to go downstairs and grab a bite to eat. Well, you left all your bags and everything just, you know, strewn across the hotel room floor or on the bed or whatever. And if you have a laptop with you or, you know, I oh, yeah. I often travel with the uh, mobile sound studios gear. And so it doesn't always fit in a safe and a lot, not every room has a safe. So, uh, you know, I, I try to be discreet about it and and, you know, either put yeah. it under my dirty clothes or, you know, put, yeah. make sure the laptop's yeah. put in a drawer somewhere. <laughs> so if somebody does come in and, uh-huh. and toss the room, you know, it'd be pretty, they'll either have to be really, really quick and, you know, yeah. get in, get out. Yeah. And I also sometimes, yeah. and not always, but sometimes if I'm in an area where the hotel might be a little shadier than, than expected, I'll leave the TV on yeah. low volume, but I'll leave yeah. the TV make on, leave like the lights on. Right. Or I'll close the door and leave the fan on in the bathroom so that if somebody opens yep. the door, they think somebody's in the bathroom kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, Little things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I also learned like uh, if if um, uh, if you're in an overnight, let's say international overnight, which you you certainly do a lot more of than I do. But um, like I remember a few times a few years ago when we were with Sandpiper Airways, we were going to uh, I think it was Chihuahua hmm. and there was a lot of. Uh, cartel activity going on in the region and one of the the things that uh somebody said was a good idea was you know obviously you gotta you know choose when is a good time to do this or not but Mm -hmm. do not put a do not disturb sign you know a little hanger on your door because that's an indication that somebody is there or somebody may be there or somebody's living there right if you had a door that doesn't have one it's hard to tell hey you know somebody's there so if it you know, cartel dude was here here to try to, you know, targeted you. That's one way to. I, I don't know. Just so many different scenarios. But, um, or, you know, saw you walking back from, you know, a restaurant or something like that, or your flight attendant. Right. Uh, they could easily find your room with the uh, "do not disturb" thing on your door. But also, know where your nearest uh, location or phone number to nearest like in- international U.S. consulate or yes. embassy. Yeah. I always had that in my phone, uh, uh, even going to Canada, as simple as Canada, because you never know, you're out there, some major event happened, you had no idea, and now you're like, wait a minute, I'm a U.S. citizen, you know, so have that. If you know you're traveling, like, say, Colombia, you know, I was supposed to go to Colombia last month, Yeah. and just have the number in your phone before your trip. It doesn't take long. You could Google it, you know? And most people don't realize either. I found out, I found out this, too, when we were uh, traveling with... uh, other crew members internationally is you remember your u.s driver's license doesn't mean anything over there right right it has to be a passport it doesn't identify you as nothing right uh so yeah your passport is your only identification that's why you don't use your driver's license going through customs it's yes. uh, you got to have your passport which so, is another topic uh, for a show we now yeah. as aviators that use uh right. what's commonly known as kcm or known crew member for a portal to Good, you know, get their yep. security quickly. You know, in the past, you can use your driver's license and your KCM and your badge, and mm-hmm. you needed those three things. And now, starting, I think it's October of 2020, if you don't yeah. have a federally uh, approved driver's license, and if on the corner of your driver's license, it, it right now it says federal limits apply, that means you can no longer use that mm-hmm. at KCM. Now, granted, we all are supposed to have right. our passports with us at all time. It's part of the prerequisite, at least at Legacy Airlines. So, but yeah, yeah, be cognizant. You you might need to upgrade your driver's license. So be ready for that. Yep. Yep. 
And the last few things that we'll talk about before we wrap it up today is, uh, you know, always have an emergency plan on hand. Uh, I personally like to have my captain's phone number in my phone. So you you never know. Just even if it's like the flight got delayed or canceled and now I can text them or text her and say, hey, you know, what's the plan? What's what what do you want to do? Manage your money, obviously, and keep track of your health. Um, You know, if you start to if you ate something bad, uh, you know, write it down. Tell somebody. Tell tell the (laughs) hotel desk, hey, I ate at this restaurant and I don't feel good. And and they can contact the restaurant, you know, make, make the appropriate reports and know how to communicate. Yeah. Uh, if you're in a yeah. country where they don't, if English is not your primary language, uh, know mm-hmm. a couple catchphrases, uh, yeah. you know, and yeah. it, it's, know how to it's say helpful. help. Yeah. Or, yeah. Ayúdame. está la policía? Yo quiero la policía. Sí. <laughs> Adonde Yo no hablo español. Yep. You know, so. S-O-C-K-S. Socks. I mean, anyway. Yeah. Right. You big faker. All right. So, well, I mean. Anything else you want to add there, Rob? No, actually, uh, you, you talked about the food thing real quick. I, I have a funny story, and maybe this is uh, something for another episode, but um, I did have a crew member that ate something uh, that didn't agree with their stomach, and uh, we were getting ready to take off out of Chicago, and we got our takeoff clearance, and I looked over at, at my co-pilot, and the person goes, I think I'm going to be sick. Uh-oh. And this is all after we accepted the takeoff clearance. So we were like, you know, pretty much starting to roll onto the runway and they go, I don't think I'm going to make, I think I'm going to be sick. I'm like sick. Like you're got a sniffle or sick. Like you're going to throw up. And they're like sick. Like I'm going to throw up. So immediately I grabbed the trash bag and they just, you know, initiated their version of the, uh, <laughs> the Putin scoot. <laughs> <laughs> And oh, you know, so I'm like, wow, this is crazy. All right, hey, we're canceling our takeoff clearance. Uh, we're gonna need to head back to the uh, to the gate. Nice. They're like, ah, uh, you know, standard question. Do you need any assistance? Right. I'm like, no, I don't. But uh, you know, just we need to go coordinate somewhere. So yeah, it all turned out to be something they ate the night before, which I had the same meal with them. Um, well, not the same exact meal, but we, we had a very similar, uh, meal mm-hmm. and, um, I think they had heartburn, which turned into indigestion, uh, which turned into a, a stomach thing. So yeah. anyway, now yeah. here's an interesting, uh, you know, you're telling me this story and I'm thinking, oh my God, how terrible. And I, and I've been there too. I mean, uh, n- nothing that major, but I've been there where I was like, oh, uh, yeah, I need to go. <laughs> this is not, we're not, we can't take the takeoff clearance. We got to go. Um, but, um. <laughs> You know, and it's a, it's a terribly embarrassing thing. But when you got back, did you happen to fill out any reports on the canceled pickoff? Did. You did. Yeah, so I had to fill out two reports because I had a sick crew member mm. and I did have to cancel the takeoff clearance. So yeah, obviously they both uh, they both uh, referenced each other. Um but uh yeah, so yeah, I had to fill out reports for that. And um, I, I don't know how this, how I made it happen, or even I had, if I had anything to do with it. But um, in, you know, communication with the company, I told them, hey, if we can get the standby, you know, a pilot out here, to we can still, you know, make it within our duty day and duty time mm-hmm. to the destination without further delay to the passengers. Yeah. And believe it or not, in like the 20 minutes of the time it took us to coordinate that with ops and get back to the gate. You know, we had to get fuel also because right. we had gone below our minimum takeoff fuel. Um, 
we had a new pilot and we were able to complete the flight, um, you know, without any further delay, but oh my gosh, yeah, <laughs> that was quite an experience. I don't know if about you, but I, I, I tend to, uh, feel sick when somebody else is in sick, is sick, getting sick in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so I had to refrain paying attention. I was looking out the window, you know, s- smelling the Gasper vent as much as I can. Cause <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it penetrates pretty quick in there, even though the vents are open full, but yeah, the reason I ask, and I appreciate you, uh, kind of, uh, diving into that is, uh, and, and a lot of pilots, they either forgot or they, they didn't realize if you are holding short of the runway and they tell you either position and hold or clear for takeoff. And even if you don't move, even if you don't penetrate the runway and you subsequently say unable position, hold or unable yep. takeoff clearance, um, right. you have to fill out a report It's required. Yes, you do. Uh, because it is a, yep. it's basically a canceled Take because if the FAA, if the uh, FAA or not the FAA, the uh, the the TA, air traffic control, air traffic control, thank you. The, if ATC says cancel takeoff clearance, then you've been issued a takeoff clearance or cancel cancel position hold, you know, maintain position. You yeah. are now, you know, you've been cleared for takeoff and you had to cancel it. They want to know why, because right. not yeah, only it's something they track that stuff uh, for you know, case studies and stuff like that in case something happens. So exactly. yeah, I think you're about to talk about that. They, they track it and nine times out of 10, they'll ask you if you don't divulge information right away, you know, Hey, can I ask for the reason of the, you know, the cancellation? Right. And, you know, you have to tell them whatever, whatever your situation is, obviously. Sure. So, and you had an incapacitated, <laughs> uh, crew member as well. So with yep. an incapacitated crew member, you also have to, fill out a report on that. And that's pretty, that's actually pretty major there too. Yep. Yep. Sure was. Yep. Cause they've signed uh, at that time what we called the fit for duty. Mm-hmm. Something happened um, post fit, uh, that, uh, yep. made, uh, made you guys, you know, no longer fit or made him Come, no longer fit. No longer fit. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Good. So yeah, that was a good learning, learning thing though. You gotta always be learning, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Always. <laughs> Getting. Getting good at filling out reports. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And reports are no big deal. You know, you got to declare yeah, an emergency. Just declare the emergency. I mean, absolutely. You know, it always you... undeclare if you have to. Well, yes yep. and no. Can you undeclare an emergency? It I depends. Like, it, I mean, if, if, well, it depends. If, like, there were some situations, like, we have a weather emergency, like you're about to fly into a thunderstorm and ATC can't clear you left or right because he's too busy with other airplanes, you mm-hmm. just, hey, I'm declaring an emergency. I need to turn right to stay out of this thunderstorm. You know, there's captain's authority deviating from the last clearance, and then once you finally get back on track, you can say, all right, I'm undeclaring. Uh, we're good to go. So oh. I've, done, I've had one captain do that once before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, there's, I don't... there's some situations. Yeah, I think, that, I think that would be acceptable, but... Uh... It's like, oh, we have an engine yeah. failure. I'm declaring an emergency. Oh, uh, well, we restarted you the engine. It's no. fine. I'm undeclaring. No, you can't do that. No. <laughs> you can't yeah, do that. No, no, that's that's yeah. <laughs> good. Well, yeah. Rob, hey, it's been it's been great. We've we, we've gone well <laughs> over our allotted time, and we really didn't even get to everything we wanted to talk about. So yeah. Um, but hey, uh, great having you on the show as always. Uh, thanks for helping me out. 
on Squawk Ident. If you check out the website uh, under the Squawk Ident crew tab, you now see a nice photograph of a young individual who has been joining me on the show now, uh, Mr. Rob D. And go check out his bio there. Uh, ladies, yeah, he is taken. I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> yeah, come check out the website. Uh, and there's now some audio feedback tab there on the contact us tab. So go check that out if you'd like to leave uh, Rob or go myself some uh, feedback. Yeah. Uh, feel free to do that. Well, Rob, another Look, good show. Yes, it was. Thanks for uh, having me back. It's good to be back, and uh, I love talking about this stuff with you, Tony. It's uh, I can't wait to see what we do next. Absolutely. All right. Bye, everyone. All right. Take care. Ciao. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for listening to Squawk Ident. How are you enjoying the show? Visit the updated website at www.aviatortony.com. That's Alpha, Victor, 8, Romeo, Tango, Oscar, November, Yankee.com. And make sure you bookmark to your home screen. There, you can check out unique episode cover art produced independently for each episode. You can also get your favorite Squawk Ident gear under the Pilot Shop tab. You can also become a contributor to the show by clicking on the Become a Producer tab on the bottom of the homepage or on the Anchor.fm page. And we're very excited that now... Through the Contact Us tab, you can leave a 90-second audio clip that'll be emailed directly to Aviator Tony. And if you'd like, we could even air your feedback on the next episode. And if you're on the social media, that's uh, either Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, you can follow Squawk Ident Podcasts or Aviator Tony and Squawk Ident. I also want to give a shout out to Breaker Breaker Podcast and Dom Z. He has been podcasting now for quite some time and has always been available to answer questions I've had throughout the time that I've been producing the show. And I just want to say a big thank you to Don Z. Well, how did you like it? Next up, coming up on the next show, we're going to have some conversations more about this coronavirus information. We're going to try to get as much info out to you as possible so that you can be informed as you're getting ready to fly about the country. I just want to also take this time to say thank you to all of you for taking the time to listen to this grateful aviator. Big thank you to Rob D. as well for joining me on the show. We're going to be hearing a lot more from him in the future as well. So, keep the dirty side down, be safe out there, and take care of each other. (laughs) 